Hello and welcome to our podcast. We are the Kinotomic, a movie podcast that bridges the cinema nostalgia of the golden age of Hollywood with the explosive modernity of contemporary cinema. I'm your host, Danny, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Nick. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us today for another conversation about some of our favorite films. Um, today, well, is our first episode in a series of four dedicated to November. I, yeah, the November is back. Everybody on Twitter is doing it, so um, so we're just we're joining in basically. Yeah, and I love film noir. Um, I mean, who doesn't really? It's just so classic. Um, so yeah, I'm quite excited for this. So Nick, what have you been watching lately? So since we last recorded, um, I finally managed to catch up on a couple of movies. Well, say catch up on two, and then. Um, one got recently released, so um, I finally got around to watching Venom and Let There Be Carnage. Um, now I kind of, I thought the first one was weird enough to be interesting. Um, it's the best movie to come out of two thousand three, uh, superhero hmm. movie to come out of two thousand three, the first one. Um, yeah, really? no, no, just yeah, no. You know what I mean? Like it has that. It has that. Even though it came out, you know, a couple of years ago, it has that feel of, you know, the the old superhero movies that we used to get in the early two thousands. You know, like yeah. Daredevil and Elektra, where you know they were just a bit, a bit shit, but a bit weird at the same time. Um, now the second one, I mean, I've never ever liked Carnage as a character. Um, being a Marvel zombie from way back. I mean, I've always disliked Carnage as a character, as you know, Spider-Man villain and everything. And I still didn't don't care for him now. I mean, I thought Woody Harrelson was. I mean, uh, I mean, it just didn't interest me what he was doing. Um, there was a whole thing. I mean, Michelle Williams is probably in the movie for about thirty seconds. I didn't um, even know she was in. She was in the first one. She was quite, she was she was very very good in the first one. I and mean, you know, obviously it's Michelle Williams, but you know she, she kind of knew what movies she she knew what movies she was in. And and then with this one as well, I think her and Tom Hardy are the only two people who actually do know what movie they're in. Um, I love Tom. But the Hardy. thing the the thing with I think I say yeah. But the thing with the thing with the Venom movies. I mean that they the two of them is that they know that the best thing about them is Tom Hardy talking to himself. I mean, yeah, um, I, I I don't know why I've not watched this before. I do want to see Tom Hardy talk to himself. I mean, have you seen Locke? I haven't seen Locke, no. <gasps> oh, no, I haven't. Film. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, I mean, the, the whole, film, yeah, because oh, yeah, really he, he's in a car, isn't he, the entire movie? Yeah, there's a whole, yeah, it's just, just the car, and he just calls people and tells people things. Um, and... Yeah, so he has a work problem, he has a personal problem, and he has to deal with both whilst driving from one place to another place. I mean, Venom doesn't really have that. I mean, it's just he has a problem in that he can't eat heads, human heads, so he's resorted to eating chicken and a shit ton of chocolate. Um, and there's a whole thing like they like Venom and, and Eddie Brock, you know, have a breakup in the movie. It's not really a spoiler. But it's like, it's it's in, it's it's interesting enough in that you know it, if you just want to watch Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams know what kind of movie they're in, then yeah, I mean, and and it's and it's and it's it's very funny in places. Some of the stuff between, I would say Venom and, and Eddie Brock, but it is just literally Tom Hardy because he voices both. Um, 
you know, it's it's pretty good. I mean, it's 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 a mess of a movie. It's ninety minutes. It literally is ninety minutes, and oh, it's a mess so it's of not a very movie. Long. And yeah, it's not like a a three hour thing. No, it's literally in and out done in ninety minutes. Like another film that you've watched that same day. Yes. Yeah, so we watched after that. I I thought it'd be a good idea to sit, finally get around to watching Bond, which I could watch Venom twice, maybe yeah. one and a half times. I think. Um, yeah, the, uh, Bond is it's a Bond movie. It's it's a whole lot of Bond. I think is the I best way just, to describe I think... it. I even forgot that I watched it when you asked me a few weeks ago about the movies I'd seen. I completely missed on having watched this because I did. Um, there's a lot of car chases and a lot of fight sequences, correct? And a lot of Bond. And a lot of Bond, yeah. He's just everywhere. It's all the iconography of Bond, really. Yeah. I mean, I th- I thought it's, it's too long. Um, I'm not going into spoilers, but... Um, Rami Malek is is shortchanged. I think he's he he's a he's an interesting villain, but there's not because enough of it. Been more, yeah, there's not enough of him. And Anna de Armas is she's amazing. Underused, and, she's amazing. And yeah. very very that dress. Underused. Oh my god, that dress. Yes, that that gorgeous. that dress. And and they knew like they knew with Anna de Armas is that they knew not to make her. They knew to make her sexy and funny. Because yeah. like you know, usually with Bond girls, you know, you get the sexy part down, but then you get the bit where they they have no personality. Whereas yeah, they're a bit wooden. Anna de Armas, yeah, Anna de Armas, like she's she's weird, she's kooky, she's funny, like legit legitimately funny. And yeah. um, I thought she played off of Daniel Craig very very well. Um, and yeah, it's it's a it's a Bond movie, and as in, and I think without going into spoilers, I think. Um, the writers, oh, the, the producers, sorry, because it's more broccoli and the other person, I can't remember who who else does the whole Bond thing, but they they wrote themselves into a whole serialized story with the Daniel Craig movies, and I think this was the only way for it to finish, yeah, without going into spoilers, and we'll see what happens next. I think I think we're gonna I think we're gonna see obviously we're gonna see a new Bond, but I think. The best best way I think to do it is to give it a rest for a few years, and um, just go. I think I think they should do a, a Man from Uncle style mm. Bond movie. You know how good was Man from Uncle? But imagine I've not that seen it. Bond. I've not. That was really it. good. It's really is good. That starring with, uh, uh, Henry Henry Cavill. Yeah, Henry Cavill and and, and noted noted cannibal Harmy Hammer and uh, Alicia Vikander as well. <sighs> Um, oh. yeah, and then um, yeah, saw Bond, and then and then um, I, re- I you know last night Soho was out, so um, I thought screw it, I'll just make it three in a row. Um, this movie, I saw no trailers. I I was very very aware of keeping away from trailers because I knew I was going to go see it anyway because it's the new Edgar Wright movie. Um, we've had an Edgar Wright movie on the podcast when we talked about Scott Pilgrim, and. That movie is is an Edgar Wright movie. It you know you see what it's like from spaced through the Cornetto trilogy and all that and and Baby Driver and it's very much Scott Pilgrim is like the ultimate Edgar Wright movie. This isn't that, but it's very interesting to see him mature as a filmmaker. Mm. Um, it's still got the Edgar Wright touches. 
and I know you're not the biggest fan of Anya Taylor-Joy, but I mean, um, uh, Thomas and Mackenzie does a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, That's great. So, and Matt Smith's in it as well. I mean, I mean, Matt Smith has had a bit of a bit of a shit post Doctor Who career. Um, I liked him know. in The Crown. Well, he did a really Sorry? good job. You've not seen The Crown. No, I haven't. No, I mean like in the movies, in, in big screen movies and stuff. Oh, in, big screen in the movies. Because um... like in in you know after Doctor Who, you know, I mean he's you know he was he was my favorite Doctor, the only one that I've seen every episode of. Okay. Um, and I think you know Terminator Genesis. I mean, I I nearly fell asleep in that movie. That's how bad that, that movie is. Good. Was he, he in was it? In... I don't. I can't even remember. Yeah, he was in it exactly. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember. Um, yeah. the Genesis is that the one with Emilia Clark? Clark, yeah, Jason, yeah, Jason Clark and Emilia Clark, Matt Smith, Jai Courtney, um, mm. and it's it's a. I it's think bad. I blocked. I bla- I blacked out. I blocked that out of my mind. Yeah, in in the history of Terminator movies, it's pretty damn bad. But the the Matt Smith has kind of not had the post Doctor career that he kind of should have had. Um, he was gonna be in Rise of Skywalker apparently, like he was in talks to be in Rise of Skywalker, but that didn't happen. Um, I mean, Matt Smith would have made Rise of Skywalker better, but that's not exactly hard. Um, and I think Last Night in Soho is, like I said, it's a very, very, it's very, very good. It's very interesting to see Edgar Wright mature as a filmmaker and go in it without seeing any trailers, if you can. I've not um, seen any trailers. Good. But and... I have seen uh, a short clip of him talking about c- certain things that have to do with the film. So I kind of have some expectations. And what he said about the film, he, he didn't actually say about the film, but because we were talking about Halloween stuff and um, someone was interviewing him about ghosts and, and, and that kind of thing. And, and, and he was like, yeah, I think if you think about the history of London, uh, most houses will have had murder or some sort of history of like negative history and he, he was saying that he believes that there will be something left behind after something gruesome happening in, in a room or in, in a building yeah um and he said that his mum saw ghosts he hasn't seen ghosts but he said that his mum did yeah i mean I, I i text you after the movie didn't i i said this i think i've just seen your favorite movie of the year. <laughs> yes yes um, and the, I think the reason why I'm saying that without going into spoilers is because this is for me very much feels a movie about London and I know how much you love London um, I do love London so I think there's 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 a couple of jokes in there as well I mean it, it, and to do with Britain in general um, the I do want to see it I do want to see it and I will see it I'm sure on the big screen yes yes so yeah, I mean that, I that's just, that's that's kind of yeah. what I've been doing. But I mean, are, are you going to get around to seeing Soho soon? Um, probably. Um, maybe next week. I'll have to see. I'm, I'm coming to Edinburgh next week. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, but yeah, one thing I've I've seen this week in cinema was the restored version of Naked. Ah, okay. Uh, and we will discuss this film um, on the podcast on season three. 
We have it, yeah. I think it's like episode yeah. two. I think we have season three. Yeah. Episode two is is Mike Lee's naked, and then we're doing it with um, Jonathan Glazer's sexy beast. Sexy beast, yeah. Um, it's like a best of British episode, so yeah. So we'll be talking further on that. But I'm really happy that I got to see naked on the big screen because it is a very good film. It's not an easy watch at all, so be prepared, Nick. But I think it's very good. Yeah. So, without much further ado, should we start talking about film noir? Yeah. So, I can't believe it's November to... already. It is November. How is it November? <laughs> um, um. Okay. Uh, we will start with a 1949 film directed by Raoul Walsh, starring James Cagney and Virginia Mayo. Of course, it is White Heat. Here's a quick synopsis. A psychopathic criminal with a mother complex makes a daring break from prison and leads his old gang in a chemical plant payroll heist. So what did you think of White Heat? So there's this right there's this meme on on Twitter that I'm going to badly paraphrase uh, and it's this whole thing about a man who has only seen Boss Baby. He watches a move another movie and he says this movie has big boss baby vibes. And that's kind of the best way for me to describe White Heat in that if you've what? never seen another gangster movie, this is the gangster movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> long, so, <laughs> long, I didn't think I'd get boss baby into this, into this podcast, but no, I think with, with White Heat, it's, I think it's very much like the, it's the gangster movie. It's got everything you're kind of looking for. It's got, you know, James Cagney doing... And this is the second James Cagney gangster movie we've had, isn't it? Yeah, we had uh, Angels with Dirty uh, Faces. Um, yeah, we had that way back when. Um, mm -hmm. And, I, I, you know, I, I, it's he's very, very, very good doing this thing, you know, playing, um, playing Cody, Cody Jarrett. I think his whole persona in this is 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 the is the is you know is the is the criminal with with a weird background and he you know he's violent for the sake of being violent you know dispatches his crew if they let him down kind of thing there's the you know the the number two that rises up and tries to get him killed and you know and then there's the whole thing to do with his mum which is really quite weird yeah. Um, and yeah, and then you got, they got the the cop side of the stuff, which is, you know, I I was quite surprised at how much how much of the movie was taken up with that. Um, I thought no, I thought it was very very good. It, I think it is the gangster movie of of gangster movies. Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of got everything you're looking for. It's got all the iconography. I mean, I'll go into iconography in, in the in the next one, but I think in terms yeah. of a classic gangster movie, I think this has kind of got everything in it. Um, director and role wise, I mean, it's very very solid. Um, the I didn't think it was flashy for the sake of being flashy. I thought it was very very just. It was just a, it was a solid direct director there directed movie um 
yeah i and the music was by max steiner as well i saw his name yep. pop up and at the yep. beginning i was like huh okay um and uh you know you're listening to it and you think oh yeah yeah i can i can see that <laughs> i can hear that um yeah I, I don't really know how else to kind of describe talk about the movie I mean, without you going into your background stuff and me kind of latching on really but yeah it, it's I'm just it's just it's just solid it's just solid I, I, um yeah um yeah so just yeah a bit of background on this um james cagney was about 49 when he made this film and he he had been making gangster films for Warner Brothers for a long time, but then he stopped because he hated. He was he felt he was being typecast, yeah. So he hated it, and he started his own um, company uh, after di- after he did uh, Yanka Doodle Dandy, which was not was a bit departure from what he normally did. Actually, I just realised we did have Cagney as a non gangster film in Footlight Parade. Oh yes, we did, didn't we? Yeah, so you you get to see that part of him as well because he loved to dance and he was he was a song and dance man. He could dance, he could sing. Um, and after um, Yankadoda Dandy, they still wanted to, him to play tough guys with a with a gun, hitting up dames. Um, and he basically said, um, when after nineteen forty two, he. He said, movies should be entertaining, not bloodbaths. And I'm sick of carrying a gun and beating up women. And then he formed his own production company with his brother, William. And for the next five years, um, he had this film distributed by United Artists. Unfortunately, these films were not very successful at the box office. So he returned to Warner's, um, but he did have a bit of um, um, autonomy. I think in... His lifetime acceptance speech where at the F, um, AFI, um, American Film Institute, he said that the Warner Brothers called him the great gangster uh, because he was always kind of arguing with them for different parts and better better roles and uh, better pay as well. So the, from the 30s and 40s, he I think he sued Warner Brothers at some point or another. But he was um, he was uh, suspended. He um, he refused to to work with them. Some once he he went back to New York. He was like, I'm not I'm not going to do this anymore. And he was on like strike for like three years. And then they called him back with better pay. Um, and then for this, he was like, okay, I have to come back. But and he just didn't like this. He thought that the script was quite from leg. Um, and. I think he this film shows how intelligent James Cagney was because he was the, he had the idea to make his character psychotic and with the with the mother complex that was not in the script he came up with the idea to make him like ridiculously psychotic um the way he is and the sort of relationship between Cody and his mother was inspired by back real life bank robbers Kate Barker, aka Ma Barker. You might have heard of her. Um, she had several sons, and um, yeah, so it was James Cagney who had the idea to make him psychotic, and he sort of based his performance on 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 his father's alcoholic rages, 
which he had witnessed as a child, and also like the sort of blackouts that he would have. Um, and there, um, what did you think of um, of the scene in in the dining hall? In the prison. Yeah. Yeah, I. I th where he has his breakdown when he, um, mm -hmm. I think, yeah, it's, he went all out, didn't he? He did, <laughs> he, did, he really did. did. He really, really went all out. Um, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, so basically what happened uh, with that scene, um, Jack Warren didn't want it. Um, he was, he thought it was going to be too expensive and he asked Roel Walsh to film it in a chapel instead. And then Walsh realized that the the fact that it was there, he had dramatic potential, and just um, sh shot it's shot the scene in just three hours, and uh, nobody um, knew except for Raoul Walsh and Cagney what he would do. So they had the Chinese whisper like the Ma's dead, and um, nobody knew how he would react. So the looks of of the terror and surprise on on the in, other inmates' faces are real because they didn't know how he would react. Um, and again, that comes to to show how intelligent he was in in his performance as well. And um, he said that if you see him, he goes he he goes within himself for like a few seconds before he explodes. Um, he plays like the first reaction; he just looks down and then building into the emotional explosion. And he says, years later, he explained to, to to Los Angeles Times, quote, that first agony is private. If I'd looked up right away and started bellowing, I would have been stock company 1912, end quote. So he was, yeah, he, he was like, yeah, internalize, internalize it and then just explode. Um, so, yeah, I thought he was, he's really good. And I think he, he really deserved at least to be nominated for an Oscar and he wasn't for this. Just a bit of a pity. Um, also, in the scene when he comes back to um, his wife in the night, he basically scared Virginia Mayo out of his her mind because she she didn't know where he was going to come out from. So she was actually scared of him, and she thought he's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> and she funny. said that he was very professional, and he yeah, they just had a very good rapport. Um, but yeah, I, it's just, it's one of those films, like it's the quintessential gangster film. And so multi-layered, I mean, the, the psychotic behavior is just so well done, I think. Yeah, it could, it could, it could, melodramatic, I think is the word that it could fell into, but it didn't. It didn't, no, no, it was, yeah, not too much, um, Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was. Um, yeah, and 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 the acting, the sorry, the the directing was was very well done. I think he understood Cagney's body language very well and captured that in his facial expressions. Um, but yeah, I know um, he didn't like um, Cagney. Didn't really like this film um, because he was he felt like it was a bit of a letdown that he had to do this again and and be violent because he, he was a very nice man he didn't like violence at all and if you want to hear more about his life 
uh, he was a tough, he, he had a tough life. Um, I think I might have mentioned it before, um, Adam Roche, he does um, Secret Hollywood Histories and it's just, he's got a whole series of like 20 episodes based on like the history of the Warner Brothers and of Jack Cagney, of uh, James Cagney. Uh, it's sort of intertwined because they kind of started out at the same time. Um, so, and that, yeah, give it a listen. It's really, really good. I've got to say, look, my fav- I think my favourite scene in the movie isn't actually one involving James Cagney. Um, it's the it's the ABC car um, following scene with, with Ma. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, yeah, I thought that was... That was pretty, you don't usually see that you I, you know you don't see that in like no. these kind of you know it's usually just one car following them and then losing yeah. traffic and then there's another you no know, it was like you're so it's like why aren't why haven't more movies done that <laughs> I don't know I think yeah it's just it's, it's a stroke of genius um yeah no I I, I really quite enjoyed that that bit um and mm. uh, yeah I thought I thought Virginia Mayo I mean. I thought she was we had, kind uh, we of had her it's in. It's not really uh, her. It's not really her movie, is it? Um, no, she, I think she she could have. Yeah, it was. She didn't steal every scene she was in. I was expecting her to do that, but Ma was Ma, Ma was good. Yes. She yes. was just very like scary. She was like, you can see where he got his psychotic streak from. <laughs> she, she was very. Him. She was a yeah cold. She reminded me of. I need to hang on. I need to bring it up because I want to get it right. Uh, where is it? Marfratelli, Mama Fratelli from the Goonies. Oh. Uh, the the the. You you seen the Goonies? I think so. Is that with uh, Josh Brolin? Yeah, very young Josh Brolin and yeah. Sean Astin. Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Marmar, the, the, the mum that's the, the Italian, yes, yes, crime yes, 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 matriarch, yeah, she very, very much gave off those vibes. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, there's a funny, a, st- a funny, uh, bit of trivia I found. So, uh, when Mark Jarrett visits Cody in prison, she's wearing a dress with a pattern of little hearts. Um, and in the film noir spoof of Dead Men Don't Wear Play, Plaid, uh, Steve Martin appears in drag wearing the same, same outfit. And it's been recreated by legendary Hollywood designer Edith Head. So I, I, so I, I know... So you Have you seen that, Phil? No, that was what I was going to ask you. So I know about that purely from um, just, you know, reading about film noir and stuff, about Dead Men Don't Wear Played. Uh, plaid and 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 it's it's like a it's it's like a Steve Martin's just kind of been inserted into loads of different film noir movies mm. and White Heat being one of them. So I'm assuming you've seen it. Is it is it actually is it good? I, is it actually good? I I was I think it was a bit tedious. I saw it a long time ago. Uh, I think I have to refresh my memory. But yeah, I was I was not impressed. <laughs> Um, but uh, maybe uh, maybe on upon second second viewing, because I... it honestly it sounds like a really cool premise. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Steve Martin. I mean, you can't go wrong with Steve Martin. 
He's very good at physical comedy, that's for sure. Yeah, so I I don't know. I I think it's I I might see if I can catch a watch of it in film in yeah. November, and um, report back at some point. I, um, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 yeah. just it's just really interesting to me that you know there's this film noir film that has all these different things going on, and I don't know. I think. Um, just looking at the cast list as well, obviously, you know, inserted different movies and stuff, yeah, but it's yeah. pretty stacked. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Cool. Um, I think that's kind of it for White Heat, unless you've got any other notes. No, I, th- I think it's just, I think, you know, linking on to the next film, I think it's just, it's got all the iconography there Yeah. that you kind of expect from a gangster yeah. movie or a movie involving criminals. Um, I have actually, I think I found something that will tie it in um, with the next film. Um, Go for it. Apparently, uh, there's a song called White Heat uh, of a 1986 album, True Blue, and that is Madonna's song. And um, basically used this film as a backdrop and used lines from it um, throughout the song. I actually not listen to the song, but I will, probably should. Um, but yeah. And that ties us nicely on the next film, which stars, co-stars, or cameos Madonna, is it? Stars, stars Madonna. Stars. I mean, really? she's like she's like the second lead, so. <laughs> okay. Fine. Um, yeah. So, so this this is uh, Dick Tracy from nineteen nineteen ninety, um, directed by and starring Warren Beatty. Um, Written by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. Um, so, synopsis. Uh, the comic strip detective finds his life vastly complicated when Breathless Mahoney makes advances towards him while he is trying to battle Big Boy Capice's united mob. Um, so, are you are you familiar with Dick Tracy or what, no. what the background is there? No. Okay, so this was like uh, a new thing I figured it was a comic. Okay. Did? Yeah, no. Comic comic strip, yeah. So I I'll go into a bit of that in in a minute. But what what in the meantime, what did what did you think of Dick Tracy? Okay. So um I've made some notes as I was watching and I the first of all, the colour palette was hurting my eyes at some point. I was just like, There's too much red and there's too much yellow and there's too much colour and the makeup was just quite icky i mean the the, the beginning where li- lips is it that was just ill <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but overall it worked i think um i like warren Beatty more as a director than an actor with a, with the exception of mccabe and mrs miller where he was really good and i really liked him and he, um, I was arguing, I was actually chatting with a friend about him, and she doesn't like him, and she doesn't see why women were so drawn to him. But there's something about him, I think. Um, and I, re- I remember reading that they would have, they wanted to put makeup on him, but he has such a distinct look and famous face that they wanted to leave it in- intact. And it felt a bit weird because. I was expecting Dick Tracy to be also wearing makeup like everybody else in the film. 
to be some sort of caricature of something. Is that in the in in the comic? Uh, well, Dick Tracy has a very has a it it is a it doesn't really have a, a distinctive look. He just looks like a just looks like a cop, really, a, a mm. police detective. There's not, nothing really there, and it's 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 more the gangsters that have the distinctive yeah. traits. Um, obvious parallels with Batman, Godfather. Uh, I think the music by Danny Elfman was also used in Batman, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, no, not necessarily. But it's very he, similar. It is very similar because he he actually co he worked with um, Shirley Walker, who we've spoken about in the past when we did Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. She was mm-hmm. the composer for for that, which yeah. obviously took on themes and stuff from the 1989 yeah. Batman movie. Um, um, I liked the kid. Kid was very good. Um, I thought the that I love Al Pacino is one of my favorite actors of all time, and he I think his rants should be part of like a world UNESCO World Heritage or something. You know, like you have to respect his rants, and he just chews the scenery. <laughs> He's just so good. <laughs> Um, I absolutely love love him. Um, his um, character here reminded me slightly of of the character he plays in Angels in America. I know you've not seen it, and I've probably mentioned this before. I've, I've referenced it previously. Um, it's a very good uh, miniseries, and he plays this ruthless, very very corrupt lawyer, Roy Cohen. And the the language and the accent, the mannerism were very similar to Big Boy Caprice. Um, yeah, I really liked. Um, uh, I, yeah, I found the chemistry between Warren Beatty and the woman playing Tess. I can't remember Glenn, the actress. Glenn, uh, Glenn uh, Healy. Healy. She, I love her. I thought she was very good. Um, they had really good chemistry. I didn't think him and Madonna had good chemistry, and I know they were dating at the time. I just felt like she can't act. She just can't act. I'm sorry. I she was the lowest point of the film for me. I just couldn't. She was very beautiful, but well, not very beautiful. She's not beautiful. Wow. No, she's not. She's very nineteen nineteen eighties early nineties Madonna and 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 that's a bold statement that is. She's not. She's got this a unique look. She had a very good body, but there was something about that face that I don't. And she can't act. And there was no chemistry between her and Warren Beatty, which is weird because I'm sure they must have been off screen, but on screen there wasn't. And I found also um, so Madonna has a distinct voice and I don't think being a torch singer works with her voice some of those songs she could not do very well I think um, and I could not buy her as a fan fatale I'm sorry I can't no just don't okay. Okay. Um, I would rather take Virginia Mayo and she's she was average but still better than Madonna and this is my notes Okay. Uh, did you did you catch any of the 
any of the cameos, I suppose, is the word. Well, underneath some of the heavy uh, makeup. Yeah, I mean, it was was it Paul Sorvino? Uh, yeah, Paul Sorvino was lips. Was lips, and um, uh, Dustin Hoffman was mumbles, and he just, I wanted to punch him. He was just like so, oh, irritating. I couldn't understand a word he was saying. That's the point. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, but at the end, he does talk normally, doesn't he? A little bit, yeah. He was yeah. good. He was good. Um, I saw James Khan didn't wear makeup, did he? No, he didn't. James Khan didn't wear makeup, no. Um, who else was there? Yeah, I just I got really distracted by the by the heavy makeup and weird. I understand that Al Pacino designed his own makeup for this. I th- I'm not actually too sure whether he did design his own makeup for it. I think what the thing with so the thing with um Dick Tracy is that it's an adaptation of a comic strip, which are these different from a comic book in that the domi- the comic strip is the like the five panels you get in a newspaper or the uh-huh. five six panels you get in a newspaper very much a serialized story and that you know dick tracy catches a criminal and solves the crime that kind of thing there's nothing uh-huh. really deep in there and anything in there um i think and these and the gangsters are like that they're all exaggerated you got flat top you've got yeah, and what is it with know, the, the flat top? Oh, and he, 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 his face was so wide. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, um, uh, yeah. You, you, you know, you're right. The fact that um, you know, Al Pacino, you know, improvised his own design. Um, and uh, yeah, the Rose Gallery makeup designs were taken directly from Gold's drawings. Um, the so it's funny you talk about the colors of the film. Um, in that that's also something taken very much from from the the comic strip in that they really only use the primary colors from the comic strip so the cinematographer uh, for for Dick Tracy is uh, Vittorio Storaro um who would know as the cinematographer for Apocalypse Now the last emperor mm. um worked with Ron Beatty on Reds um you know and you know he has a very the the style of the movie is very much it did the whole Zack Snyder thing before Zack Snyder in that it did the comic strip thing where the camera stayed static and everything looked like a panel um a comic book and a, and a comic strip panel um you know the the paintings you know the matte paintings yeah um which you know look beautiful um and uh yeah it had it had no um had no uh computer no cgi in it as well to kind of enhance anything yeah 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 it did it did feel very matte very like cardboard backdrop but in, not, looked, in a, it, not in a bad way not in a bad way no it, 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 it looked, looked really, really good, good yeah, yeah, doesn't it it looks yeah. it looks really unique and um, i love the i love the sort of um thing that he does where you have in the in the foreground you have it, it kind of divides the, the frame in two and you have this but i think it was with a kid in the foreground and something in the background and it just it, it did very well the, the composition was quite interesting also um i forgot to say there was a small nod to buster keaton when the kid jumps in the back of the car i think 
You're probably when he right. Follows, yeah, because Buster did that. You're probably right. Um, uh, Stephen Sondheim um, wrote five songs uh, for the movie. Um, somehow Warren Beatty convinced Sondheim to do that. Um, it won uh, three Oscars um, for uh, Best Makeup, Best Art Direction, and uh, Best Original Song. Um which is quite cool. Um mm. so, I think there was there was something else I wanted to bring up as well. So that you you talked about Batman. There yes. was this weird time after Batman where there, there were these adaptations of nineteen thirties and forties superhero things. So you had it was Dick Tracy, which had been long in development before Batman, but you had Dick Tracy, you had The Shadow, uh, yeah. which I think was Alec Baldwin. Um, you had uh, The Rocketeer, um, which isn't a, based on a 30s, 40s strip, but it's very much kind of in that ilk, if that makes any sense. Mm. Um, you had... Um, Oh god, you had Darkman, which was like a like a Sam Raimi Sam Raimi superhero movie, but very much was inspired by like the forties Art Deco stuff. You had obviously the mask, which is, you know, a lot of the art direction in that is very much forties Art Deco inspired. Um The Crow, Alex Boyce is the Crow, which is you know, gothic, um, yeah. German expressionism. Um, and you had like, you had the Phantom as well, which is um, Billy Zane, which mm. is, like, is very much a 30s, 40s style kind of movie. And it, <laughs> you know, very much Hollywood goes in cycles in that it really, it thinks, it does, oh, this, yes. this works. This 1989 Batman thing, you know, inspired by the 40s and all this stuff, this works. Let's, let's do other 30s and 40s, you know, superhero style movies. And I think only really The Mask was a success <laughs> out of those. Um, I think, I think Dick Tracy did do well in the box office. Oh, you had uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well, which very much does. The same same kind of thing, and that trying to jump on the back of the whole Batman thing. Mm. Um, now a bit, bit about Dick Tracy and Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty been trying to get this movie um, made for for most of the eighties. Um, worked with Walter Hill at one point, and they couldn't really decide on a direction they wanted to go. Um, he ended up uh, hiring John Landis, who left the project after um that incident on the twilight zone set um which if you've not heard about i, will... I think you mentioned it when we did um uh, trading places yes i probably did talk about a, a little bit in trading places but yeah the the his hiring and and dick tracy was very much impacted by those mm. events um he wanted um, Harrison Ford, uh, Richard Gere, Tom Selleck, and Mel Gibson uh, to take the lead role, and it just ended up. Warren well, Beatty just ended up doing it himself. Um, the so the rights the rights for the movie um, kind of are still owned by Warren Beatty, which is a bit strange because there's there's this whole copyright issue going on 
you know, between who actually owns Dick Tracy, the character. Um, and Warren Beatty, in 2008, I think it was, 2009, he hired uh, Leonard Moulton and uh, cinematographer Emmanuel Lubezki <laughs> um, to do a 20-minute short film where Leonard Moulton interviews Dick Tracy in character, mm. basically just so Warren Beatty can keep the rights to the movie. Um, keep the rights to the character um, which is very 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 petty in my opinion I think so um, huh. yeah yeah yeah. I, it, uh, and I, I thought the, I like yeah that's not very nice of him I, I think the movie I think the movie itself is, is very visually interesting I don't think yeah. it has much underneath and they talk about the iconography and white heat I think Dick Tracy because it's it's an adaptation of the comic book strip, which kind of does the iconography in the comic book, you know, comic strip. I think it, it just, it feels, it feels very, very unique for it's for, for what it is. I think it, it, it it's very stylized and very, um, yeah, flashy, but the story is not very compelling. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wanted to punch him every time he was uh, having, he was at the diner with with Tess, and he's like, "Just get it out, just say it, just ask her." And he just throws um, the ring at her. I'm like, "Fuck off, just be a man." So there's um one of my one of my favorite um film YouTubers, uh, a guy called Patrick H. Willems. He actually did a video on Dick Tracy earlier on this year, which kind of prompted me to watch the movie. Um, he did a he did like a forty minute breakdown of the movie, and I, which I'll link to in the show notes because he did more justice to it than me. Um, and he spoke about how he feels that the movie very much reflects what was going on in Ron Beatty's life at the time, mm-hmm. where you know during the filming of Dick Tracy, he was literally dating Madonna and had gone out with, you know, had dated. <laughs> everybody literally everybody in hollywood yeah i mean pete pete davison's got nothing on warren Beatty, and <laughs> i think and then you know after dick tracy came out he settled down with annette benning and they've been together ever since um yeah. and you think about how this movie you know dick tracy is you know madonna is the blank breathless mahoney's there and He's got this thing with Tess. Did you and like, like Madonna uh... in this? Hmm? Did you like Madonna in this? <sighs> it's quite, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, I didn't. I didn't. I just felt jarring and forced. Yeah. Because yeah. her 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 voice fits with with her music that she makes, not whatever torch singing she did in this film it just felt like not it didn't feel her it just maybe it's because we know her as a, a singer and not as an actress i just it just didn't work you you don't you don't think you know cry for me argentina you know like is that is that how it goes cry for me argentina don't cry um i don't have not cry, seen yeah, evita but i think that was that was that that fits in with her voice better than than uh, sooner or later or whatever that song is called <laughs> um yeah 
Yeah, I th- what was it that I was going to say about Madonna as well in this? Um, so the the she did the she, there was a soundtrack album for Dick Tracy, and the last song on the, on the soundtrack album is uh, is Vogue, which is obviously one of her most famous songs. I like one of her best that songs. song. I like exactly, that song. and it's and it featured it it was on the Dick Tracy soundtrack, hmm. um, which is quite cool. I think it's you know, yeah, uh, such a such a big song is on a soundtrack for a movie that not many people have seen um yeah but yeah i um, think i think al pacino deserved to get an oscar for his performance yeah for, do, for dick do, tracy do not, not for anything else um for, well we're talking about dick tracy so yeah yeah i mean he um, deserved more than the one oscar that he got which is was a consolation oscar but yeah more on that some of the time. Yeah, we'll talk about that another day. We we always end up talking about it though because we it, it's just so un, unfair, isn't it? Like the Oscars are just like we we keep saying that they don't matter, but then we still talk about it. I think it's because like we just end up going into the fact that it's not it's not the fact that they don't matter it's the fact that everybody puts weight on them and yeah that's true like because a movie has won an oscar like that means that there's weight behind it i mean you think about like you know the king's speech which is not it's it's a bit of a shit film really um you know i don't know if i want to say that but there's but there's weight behind that movie because it won an oscar because it won the oscar right and not not for a movie that does deserve that does deserve that Oscar in two thousand and ten, which is the Social Network. You know, like. <laughs> oh, I this... knew you were going to say that. Yeah, we 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 need to we need to kind of put a pin in this conversation until <laughs> the Oscar season next year because we, obviously we didn't do one this year but we, we're gonna do one because I think yeah. it's gonna be about six hours long and it's gonna be rants yes so yeah stay tuned for the rants <laughs> stay tuned for the Oscar rant episode coming yes. February 2022 um yeah yeah so I, I think you know wrapping up I think White Heat is the is the gangster movie I think it's the it's, it's just... got all the iconography there and then it also does something really quite interesting with it and i think dick tracy is the iconography of the gang of, yeah. of, a, of a film featuring a police detective and a load of gangsters um but there's not really much underneath apart from the visuals yep i, I, I think, think that sums it up nicely yeah james cagney is a legend and i'm sorry warren Beatty, but you you're not as good as him sorry i had to say <laughs> it i had to i had to it's just and there's so much energy in 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 Cagney's performance, and yeah. I was I watched Dick Tracy and I was thinking like, I didn't. It just felt a bit flat the the performance that he gave in 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 Dick Tracy. It was yeah. just not as passionate as he was in McCabe and Mrs Miller or, um, I've not seen Reds, but what was the other film that he did? Um, it'll come to me. But in other films that I've seen him in, he was more like animated. Here, it was just like stuff was happening to him. Yeah, it did. It did kind of feel that way. But I think that's that's more to do with the fact that 
what Dick Tracy is as a character and what, yeah. and said, no, what the material is I think you know it doesn't really there isn't really anything underneath that um, yeah. you know like superhero movies I'm trying not to go off on one of superhero movies but like you get you can you can really go I mean I talked about it with Mask of the Phantasm in that you know you have the the standard batman thing going on but then you've also got the interiority of what's going on with his grief and his parents and how you know two different people deal with grief and how two different people deal yeah. with vengeance and that's the kind of interiority and kind of complexities complexity that is in a character like batman whereas dick tracy is just a police detective that solves crimes and stops criminals yeah there's not and really not much, much else. else there yeah, yeah and yeah. nobody has kind of gone in and gone well i'm gonna do a subversive take on dick tracy you know <laughs> <laughs> um like like people have done with like people have done with batman and, and superman and not so much in the movies but definitely in in the you know in in the comics with with you know so the marvel stuff even yeah. even stuff like you know Thor Ragnarok goes you know it, it's it's a different take on a character that we've already had two solo movies and you know it's it's your favorite Marvel movie you it know is. because it, it does something it does something different it's, it does absolutely um, I think you know you 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 got to do something different with the iconography to actually set it out yeah I think with Dick Tracy it's got the flashy exterior it's got the the looks it's got the sound it's got it's got all the names but it doesn't have anything underneath that yeah and i think with white heat it does have that it does have the underneath part um yeah <laughs> kind of <laughs> trying cool. not to no. go into superhero <laughs> rant <laughs> um okay so i think we're, we're wrapping up for, for episode one of noir vember um three left one one down three to go so um what's, what's on next week so next week is the episode which we're recording like well in person um so i get to see all being danny's, well <laughs> yeah so i get to see i get to see danny's disdain in person whenever i start talking about my insane hey. opinions on michael bay uh, well, I, I can probably make you stop talking because i can kick yeah. you oh. <laughs> literally kick me you can hear the <laughs> You'll hear you'll hear my my leg break on on on. Be like Michael Bale is great. Ow! <laughs> what was that for? Michael Bay, Michael Bay. Ow! Stop! <laughs> I will do that. I'll just I'll be like, yeah, yeah. Call me by your name. That was a bit shit, wasn't it? Slap. <laughs> Don't go there. Um, yeah. Don't do that. You'll you'll hear you'll hear you'll hear the you'll hear the slam of the of the living room door and then and then. <laughs> Silence. Swearing. Silence. Um, okay, yeah, so <laughs> this is next week. You've got that to look forward to. But the two films we're actually going to be talking about next week. So the first one is uh, Out of the Past, um, directed by uh, Jacques Tournier. Is that how you say it? Tournier? Tournier. There we go. Um, starring uh, Robert Mitchum and Jane Greer and Kirk Douglas. Uh, it's from 1947. And then we've paired that with... Um, Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai from 1999, uh, directed by Jim Jarmusch, uh, which stars uh, Forrest Whitaker. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, well I think with with Noir Vember we, we, we haven't really done the whole I've tried to pair off the films as best we can 
so maybe not thematically they might work might not work or plot similarity they may not work but i think because they i don't know yeah they we'll do, have to yeah we'll have we'll see we'll see how it goes i think we kind of got quite lucky with white heat and dick tracy so yeah that was i think that was a very good pairing cool cool so um in the meantime um danny where can we find you on the internet you can find me on Twitter at Kino Joan and my website is kinojoan.co.uk. And you can find me on Twitter at Nikesh Chandler. My website is superatomicvision.com. Uh, our podcast uh, Gmail is uh, kinotomic at gmail.com. Um, we have also decided to do a Facebook page because, you know, if Mark Zuckerberg yeah. is going to end up ruling the world then we might as well make some money off of it if we can <laughs> um, so um, I'll link it, I'll link to that into the show notes um, the link to that I, know, I don't really know how to is it fb.me forward slash kinatomic I don't know or, or I'll just I'll just link to it in the in the, in the show notes um, so with all that in mind uh, it's a goodbye and a thank you for listening from me and a goodbye and a thank you for listening from me